do you have true faith or false faith? That's a question I want you to ask yourself. Do I have true faith or false faith? That's the title of the message. For our guests, we are teaching through the epistle of James. Last Sunday, we taught on the differences between showing mercy and showing tough love. And if you happen to miss a, a message, please uh, go to our website and, and um, uh, click on our site that has our audio messages and listen to it because God uh, speaks uh, to us and prepares us for what he's doing. We ended on verse 13 of chapter 2, so we want to pick it up at the next verse there. James chapter 2, verse 14. What use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? That's a question that was asked. Two questions in James. Okay? Now let's think about that. What use is it if someone says, I have faith? And people told me before, um, you know, I, I have faith in Jesus Christ. But they have no works. Can that faith save them? Now, let's go a little further. Now, this particular part of James, Martin Luther, he was uh, very distraught and kind of upset because he thought that James was proclaiming a gospel of works. And he believed, and which is true, that salvation is by faith alone. It's by grace through faith, actually. But that's not really what James is talking about. In these verses, James, uh, he, he is talking about really true faith versus false faith. And people will sometimes misuse this section and try to, especially the ones that James is talking to, you remember he's talking to uh, Christian uh, Jews. And so they were struggling with the law as well as grace in Jesus Christ and faith in him. They were struggling with this newfound grace because they are so used of the law and works. And they want to straddle the fence. And so he was trying to let them know that, no, you can't, you can't, you can't do that. You can't be trying to walk in the law and walk in grace also. What you have to do is realize that when you have faith, you're going to have works. That's the whole essence of what he's talking about here. And so really from the chapter probably 1 verse 2, James is trying to tell the Jewish Christians here how to live, how to behave, how a Christian is supposed to walk out their faith. Like I said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and, and difficulties. Well, that's how, do you, how you behave when you come under misfortune, 
We all have to be able to handle that. Paul taught that a man is justified by faith without works of the law. And so James uses the same, some of the same verses. If you look in uh, sometimes James uh, chapter 2, verse 21, 23, 25, he's used some of those, those same uh, verses that Paul used, uh, Romans 4, 3, Hebrews 11, 17, 11, uh, 31. Those are, uh, those are exactly the same verses. And the Holy Spirit is so uh, wise uh, beyond comprehension because, see, he knew that people will struggle sometimes with what he was saying, so he uh, had James and Paul use some similar verses. James doesn't refute, refute the doctrine Paul taught, really, but he, he just con- condemns the error of those who abuse it. There's no contradiction whatsoever between apostles, uh, the teaching of James, Apostle James, or, or, nor Apostle Paul in any manner whatsoever. But what they did do is talk about the same thing in a different manner. True faith cannot exist without works. I'm going to say that again. True faith cannot exist without works. Do you hear me? We're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about uh, really that you uh, have to have some works to be saved. We're not talking about that all, uh, at all. Salvation is by grace through faith. But we're talking about once you become a Christian, once you, the minute you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, once you put on the uniform, let's say, you now are expected by God to have works. It comes with the territory. You cannot have faith without works. Impossible. Impossible. If it's true faith, you can have false faith now. We can have lip service, but you can't have true faith. And so that helps us sometimes when we are talking to people who say, oh, I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I was little, you know. Uh, but they've been living the, the world's life for 40 years. No, no fruit whatsoever. But they say, I'm going to heaven just like you, you know. Well, what kind of faith do you have? Because if you don't have works, you really don't have faith. You just got lip service. That's what you have. See, faith that talks <laughs> but doesn't walk doesn't get us in a well. It's not of God. That's what James is saying in chapter 2. Starting in verse 14. Now, what is true faith then? What is true faith? True faith, and I'll just call it faith because it's, no, it's nothing else but faith. Anything else is, is a camouflage, it's a, it's a uh, fake. Yeah. Faith is to believe in, trust in, rely on, lean on, act on what God has said. Let me say it again. 
faith is believing in, is relying on, trusting in, acting on what God has said, which is the word of God. That's what faith is. Now let's look at um, Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 6. Now faith is the assurance of those things hoped for. Now if, if you had to say it another way, faith is the proof. It's the proof of those things hoped for. It's the proof. It's the proof. See, faith gives proof of things unseen, treating them as if they were already objects of sight, already in existence, rather than just in hope. That's what faith is. It's proof. It's proof. If, if, if you go to a bank and you want to withdraw money out of your savings account, they should ask you for identification. They should. If they don't, you need to get on them. Because somebody can steal your, you know, savings book, and if they don't ask for identification, you know, they're just going to give anybody money with your book. That's not the good. So when, when they asked me for identification, I said, thank you for asking. I really appreciate that. Yeah. They have to see that I am who I said I am. I have to give some type of proof. When the police stops you, if, if he, I say if he stops you, I hope he doesn't. But if he does stop you for speeding, he's going to ask you for a couple of things. How many of you have been stopped before? Yeah. Uh, he's going to ask for your registration. He wants proof that you, that car that you're in is not stolen. It's yours. Then he's going to ask you for your license, for identification. Because if you stole the car, the, the, the uh, registration is in there. So usually, but if your picture, if if they see see, <laughs> uh, like David uh, drives the, the church van and it's registered uh, probably to me, it might be to the church, but it's probably to me, you know. And he show he looks at David's picture and he says, Are "You Willie Taylor, you know." <laughs> yes, yes, I am, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he wants proof. Faith is proof of things that don't exist. Are we, uh, do, do we have that faith? That, we, that we, we are acting just like what God says is true. And, and how we are acting proves it. It's proof that what God has said is true. See, without faith, it says in verse 6, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Not that just he's God now. He is who he said he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Everything is based on us keeping the word of God. Since faith is leaning on, relying on what God has said, everything is based on the word of God. And you don't want to lean on something that's going to break down, that's wobbly, that's shaky. God's word is not shaky. 
God's word is, is stable. Let's look at uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 16, chapter 14, verse 15. It says here, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Let me keep my word. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. Do you love God? Well, we love God, we have to keep his word. We can't have selected reading. You know, we choose which words we want to believe because that's what some people do. And we're talking about Christians. Some people, you know, when it gets to be something they don't want to do, they don't keep the word. Well, God understands. He knows my heart. Okay. Yes, he does understand. He does know your heart. (laughs) He does. Our hearts are wicked. You know? Beyond finding out. So that's why we have to renew our mind, which is part of the the will, emotions, all that what makes up the heart. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Gospel of John chapter fifteen, verse eight through ten and twelve. By this is my Father glorified. How is God glorified? Because we need to know how God's glorified. If we know how God's glorified, we can glorify Him. You know? Well, this is what God says about Himself. This is how my Father is glorified. Because Jesus and the Father are one. That you bear much fruit. Oh. That means that we can't be attached to the tree of life, which is Jesus Christ, and bear no fruit. We can't die on the vine. It's impossible to die on the vine. Life comes through Jesus, and so therefore, as long as we're attached to Jesus, we're supposed to bear fruit. That's why I said that you can't have faith and don't have any works. You have to have fruit. And the fruit of our lips are our words. So we have to have good fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Just as my Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Well, how do I abide in your love? Because I want to abide in your love, Jesus. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I kept my father's commandment and abide in his love. Oh. So all I have to do is keep what you say. Your commandments. Well, you know, it's a lot of stuff in this Bible here from Genesis to Revelations. What do I have to keep, Lord? What, what are you talking about now? Make this thing easy because, you know, I don't want to be a hard thing here. I want to be an easy thing here. This is my commandment. Read it out loud for me. 
Can y'all read? <laughs> what is what, what is that? Come on. Okay, see that I can't understand tongue talking, you know. <laughs> this is my commandment. Come on. Okay. <laughs> it's a simple commandment that you love one another just as I loved you. That's a commandment. That you love one another just as I loved you. How has, how has he loved us? When we were yet sinners, when we were yet sinners, huh? that's how he loved us. You know? Do we love others like that? Because this is, this is a commandment. Abide in it. Do we love others like he has loved us? When others sin against us, when others treat us all mean, when they are unreasonable, do we love them anyway because Christ loved us that way? That's right. That's right. You're telling the truth. You're telling the truth. We should, though. Let's look at some illustrations from James. James goes on in chapter 2, verse 15, and says... If a brother or a sister is without clothing and is in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed, be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Uh, let me stop here because I had a... Um, <laughs> uh, homeless person, that's when we were over on Park Avenue, come over, rang the doorbell, and I went down to see them, and, and, and they said, well, I need help. I need food, and I need clothing. I need you to take me down the street here. I said, uh, well, um, sorry, you know, I can give you some food, but uh, I can't take it. Hey, you're the church. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to do for the poor. I know what the word says. You can't do that. I said, wait a minute now, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> you know, some people, they want to misuse and abuse, you know, God's word. In other words, he doesn't care anything about stewardship. He doesn't think we have to be good stewards. He thinks everybody's supposed to meet his needs and let him go without working. And we just supply for him. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But now... Let's say it's a normal situation. Here's a brother that you can, you know, this person has plenty of food, got clothes, but he tells them, you know, God bless you. God bless you, brother. Go be warm, be filled, you know. What good is it? Now, James is saying this as an illustration for a particular reason. It says, what use is that? You remember he started off in verse 14. What use is it? My brethren, if someone says he has faith, but do not uh, have, have any works, can that faith save him? In other words, he start out, what good is it? What use is it? Then he comes right back and, and gives an illustration. What use is it if you have a person who needs things and you don't supply it even though you have it? What use is it to that person? So he wasn't really, you know, um, uh, trying to tell you exactly that you got to, you know, 
meet this person's need all the time and things like that. It's just using an example is that it is no use because he he finishes in verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. In other words, it's useless. No use whatsoever. No use. In other words, a workless faith is a worthless faith. You didn't hear it, did you? A workless faith is a worthless faith. And what good is it? What good is it you say, I trust in God, I lean on God, you know, I, I, you know, I, I rely on Him. But when tough times come, you really don't. It's no use at all what you said. Let's look at an example here from Scripture. Let's look at Joshua. Then we'll give give an application here also. In Joshua, it's a real uh, nice illustration that kind of helps us. Chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. They were afraid of Israel. They've heard about them. They don't want to let them in. They want to keep them out. No one went in or out. So that gates weren't going to open. You can't sneak in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with his king and his valiant warriors. And what did God say? He had given it to him, right? Now, this is what God says, though. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Then he tells the priest what to do. Verse 5 says, It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall flat down. And the people will go up every man straight ahead. This is what God told Joshua. Now, in order for Joshua to have faith, what must Joshua do? Come on, one word. Start with an O. Obey. To show faith, he must obey. Remember that now. If you're going to have faith, your works must follow. It must be proof of your faith. So therefore, all you have to do is find out what God says to you, then obey. That's all you have to do. Now, is it going to be hard to obey? No. He didn't say it's going to be easy to obey. Now, you can picture, these are Israel now. Israel, they're they, they pretty tough now. They're pretty tough. They know that God's with them. And so Joshua tells them, he said, take up the ark of the covenant, verse 6, 
and let seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward and march around the city and let the armed men go before the ark of the Lord. And it shall, it was so, and when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests, priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant and the Lord followed them. Verse 9, the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the real God came after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. Verse 10, but Joshua commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor let your voice be heard. Nor let a word, nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you, shout, then you shall shout. How, how easy do you think that was? Now you can see them march around the city and if you're, <laughs> if you're beside somebody, he says, hey, psst, hey. Look at him up on the wall. Shh, don't shoot me. You see him in the wall, you know? You know you, can you imagine somebody staying quiet? But you say, yesterday, I would obey God. If God says stay quiet, I would stay quiet. Oh, you would. <laughs> let, me, let me give you, let me give you an, uh, a realistic example of that, because that's Old Testament, and you can easily say that because you know you're not going to be in that situation. You know, you know you're not going to be marching around Jericho. Uh, you know, uh, so but uh, here's one in First Peter chapter three. Okay, uh, he probably can get it on the screen for me. This is this is what this is what is so so funny is that it was telling it was, verse chapter two. It was telling the people that they should obey all those authorities, the civil authorities. Slaves obey your masters, even those who are unreasonable and all those type of things uh, because, you know, uh, Jesus suffered, so you're called to suffer also. Uh, so Jesus, um, he when he was reviled, he didn't revile again, all this in chapter 2. Then it says that in chapter 3, verse 1, the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word. Now, disobedient to the word means they, they are disobedient to the word. They might be unbelievers, they might be believers, but they just don't obey the word of God. They may be one. Is it up there? They may be one. What are those three words? Without a word. By the behavior of the wise. How many of you have read that and heard that from me so many times? Huh? Raise your hand. How many things are so easy? Raise your hand. Well, see, it wasn't easy for them at Jericho either, you know? Because did, 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 what did God tell the wife to do? Hey, you can, you can probably win this man over without a word. I looked it up in the Greek just to make sure what without a word meant, you see? Now, what do you think without? Now, the word is logos. Or logo, okay? And, and that's the, that's the, that's the word, written word, you know. Uh, now, and it's, it's also spoken word too. But it's the word of God. 
Now, let me ask you. What do you think without means in Greek? Huh? I know, I know some of you are smart. What does it mean? It means without. That's what it means. That's what it means. No speech. Nothing. You know? Nothing. You see, when God tells us to do something, he has reasons for telling you to do what he asks you to do. He could easily have killed everybody in Jericho with a plague and opened the gates supernaturally. He could have done that if he wanted to, but he didn't want to. He's trying to teach them obedience. He's trying to teach them that whatever I tell you to do, do it. You remember how uh, they told, uh, Jesus' mother told, told the, the servant, hey, whatever, whatever he tells you to do, do it. So Jesus doesn't fill up the water pots, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever if you need wine. But see, God, in his wisdom, infinite wisdom, knows what he's doing. So he gives us commands and I guarantee you that we don't have the faith that we should have or want to have because we don't obey the word like we should and want to do. Because the word is simple in that, in that passage I just told you. And this passage here is very simple. Don't say anything. That's hard for people to do. Don't say anything. Now, I wonder what will happen if a person did it. Well, just like the walls here, what happened? Well, they did exactly what the Lord said, and the walls fell down flat. The Lord will do the same thing with uh, us if he tells us to do something, and we do it. See, a lot of times what we want to do uh, is we want to do works. You know, we want to, in other words, uh, he said in Hebrews that, that uh, he rested from his work on the Sabbath day was a rest. And he said, we should rest also. There remains a rest for the people of God. If Joshua would have given them rest when they had come over to the promised land, then he wouldn't say that there's another day of rest. No, there's a rest, but it's a rest from our own works, our own labor. In other words, just do what God says to do. We don't have to try to do it ourselves. But that's what we try to do with our mates. That's what we try to do with our children. That's what we try to do with our employees. We, we want to do it ourselves. And we mess things up and wonder why God's word doesn't work. It doesn't work because we don't obey. Well, I, I, I obey. Well, see, we'll, we sometimes we're like Saul. You remember Saul? He said, well, Saul, you know, I want you to go and kill all of them. Don't leave a man, woman, child, nobody, no babies, no nothing. Kill everything, all the, all the sheep, all everything. Don't leave nothing. Everything dies. And Saul brought back the good things, all the good sheep, all the good things, and brought back even the king. And, you know, Samuel said, what is this, man? He said, well, I obeyed. He didn't obey. You see, sometimes we think obedience is partial obedience. That's not obedience to God. Now, I'm trying to help us in our faith walk because there, there, there's a time, and the time is now, that, that we need to put up or shut up. 
as a church. The church. No matter what country you're in. Meaning that, you know, we're supposed to have the goods on us. We're supposed to have the Holy Spirit, Jesus, you know, the Father, the Word of God, the angels. We're supposed to do damage to the kingdom of darkness. The gates of hell are not supposed to prevail over the church. They're not supposed to prevail over our children. They're not supposed to prevail over our marriages. They're not supposed to prevail. And if they are prevailing, that means that somehow the enemy doesn't respect us. Why doesn't he respect us? I said because we don't have the goods. Sometimes because we don't have obedience like we should. Now, surely we obey some things. Absolutely. No doubt about it. We have selective obedience. Those things that are easy to do, that we like doing, we do. Those things that we don't, we don't. And that's not what God is calling for. Let me give you one example before I close, because uh, we have a lot more to cover, but we'll cover it next week, because it's a continuous thing through James. So we're not in a, we don't have to you know, finish any one particular thing. We'll pick it up. Let's, let's uh, say something like uh, Philippians. Um, Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And, you know, in the King James Version, it tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. What do you think always mean in Greek? <laughs> if you're sad, you're not rejoicing. Now, of course, you know that uh, we're supposed to weep with those who weep. We're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice. We know what the word says from Genesis Revelations. But we're not supposed to be going through stages of depression, stages of where we are mad and we are just, like, just evil, you know, like we woke up on the wrong side of the bed, you know. We're not supposed to be like this. We're supposed to be rejoicing because, after all, you know, we are going to heaven. Philippians 4 will go on and tell us, again, I say, rejoice. He said, let your moderation, in the King James moderation, it really means your forbearing spirit be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. Then he says something else that's, a, that's, a, that's very interesting. He says, be careful for nothing. But in the New American Standard Version, it says, be anxious for nothing. Now, if he tells us to be anxious for nothing, anxious means to take care, to take thought. You know, you're concerned about something. That don't mean you're responsible. You need to be responsible, okay? If you don't have a job, get out and get one. You need to be responsible. Don't say, well, the pastor told me to be careful for nothing, you know? No, <laughs> don't misuse the word now. Don't misuse the word. So what, what he wants us to do is actually don't worry. Worry causes stress. Stress causes problems in our body. So now, how many of you have read that before? Sure you have. How many of us have been anxious before? Sure you have. How many have been disobedient in that scripture? Sure you have. When are we going to stop being disobedient? Because faith now must have works. 
A workless faith is a worthless faith. If you say, I lean and rely on God. He is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the great I am. He's my provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's my peace. My, I don't have to worry about anything. I have guardian angels. I have protective angels. I have, you know, I can quote Psalm 91. You know, man, he, he gives angels charge over me. I, I have, I'm a Christian. And then you're worrying, oh my God, what am I going to do about my, my child? You know, what am I going to do about my situation? Oh man, I'm at the end of my, uh, my money and I just got paid. I have two more months to go. When are we going to believe, believe God and say, ha <laughs> say, I know what my checkbook said, but so what? That is only a written you know, acknowledgement that I don't have anything. <laughs> That's all it is, you know. But my God says he will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So therefore, even though in the natural I don't have anything, oh, in the spirit realm, I got it all. Because my father owns a cattle on a thousand hill. Oh, he owns all the gold. He owns all the silver. And he's going to get money to me. See, we have to start thinking that way. And see, we have to start calling those things that be not as though they were. Because that's what Jesus did. When Jesus, in which we'll go over next week. When Jesus was talk, talking to Abraham and calling him, it was Abram, Abram then. He said, hey, your, your descendants are going to be as the stars of the sky, you know. As the sands of the seashore, you know. So shall your descendants be. And here's this man, 90 years old, his wife, 80 years old, and here he is. And he said, you're going to have a child. Man, how you going to have a child, you know? I'm 99. How am I going to have a child, you know? I'm just as good as dead. Come on. You know? <laughs> but see, God was calling those things to be not because God was going to bring it to pass. We have to do the same thing, realize that we're not going to bring it to pass. God's going to bring it to pass. God is going to help our children. God is going to help our parents. God is going to help our marriage. God is going to help our jobs. God is going to help our church. God is going to help our workplaces. God is going to help the United States. It's not going down the drain. You know, it's not going down the drain. We're here. As long as we're here, the United States is going to be all right. That's true. Now, when we exit... Look out. <laughs> Look out, yeah. We're going to stop here. Um, what I want to do is let you know that these messages that I'm teaching are very serious. And we, you know, try to have fun in our messages. And if God, you know, wills it. But uh, we realize that we have to get this message. We have to get these messages because it's serious stuff. People are dying every day. You know, every day. Make sure... Uh, if you are part of this church, make sure uh, Brandy has your name and everything that's, that's on, on, on uh, file on the directory. Because if she doesn't, Minerva and I pray by, by our directory. We call names on that directory. If your name not on that directory, it doesn't get called out. Unless God you know, reminds me of, of somebody, it doesn't get called out. We want to pray for every single person that's, that's called, could call Cornerstone their home, that this is their covering. We want to pray for you. Same. And we're going to be praying for others also, because God commands that. But I had an unpleasant experience around 3 o'clock um, 
Monday night, I, went, I guess we went to, went to bed around 1.30, and I um, uh, got a telephone call around 3 in the morning, and I said, hmm. And I saw the number that was up there. It was a cell phone number. And I said, whenever I don't know who this is. Yeah. So um, I just let the voicemail pick up. I went to our directory, looked at every cell phone number, because I have a cell phone number supposedly of everybody in the church that has a cell phone. Uh, we don't put it in the main directory. We put it in, in my directory. But um, nobody. And I said, wow. I said, God, uh, when, when I used to coach, I used to get these prank telephone calls. Well, it was after I was coaching. And um, they called me 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, some crazy stuff, you know. And I said, well, I hope it's not a prank telephone call. God, if this is somebody you want me to uh, uh, answer, don't let me go back to sleep. So I laid there for about a half an hour, and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I said, okay. So I got up and went over there and called, and it was uh, Jim Whitaker. Most of you know probably um, Mr. Whitaker um, runs New Life Books and Gifts. But in a way, um, he's a chaplain for the police. And he called and said, two people in your congregation, uh, I was in a car accident, uh, and they, got, they were killed. And they, they, they said, Lee and Susan. I said, Lee? I said, I don't know, but one Lee, that's Lee Greville, and he's not married to Susan, so I don't know if they were there. He said, well, Jack is over here now. Jack and Jenny. I said, oh, okay. I said, Joe and Susan, I know them. And um, the pictures, uh, the, the, some of you probably don't know uh, Joe, but that's Joe and Susan. And the little son, Connor, he's 11, and, and Annabelle, she's 6. They are, uh, they've been coming to Kia's church and things like that. Well, Joe told Jack, because Joe works at a printing place, he used to, and I uh, used to work with Jack on Fridays at the, at the hardware store. Uh, and Susan used to work with Jenna three days a week at the hardware store. And uh, Joe asked Jack, would you uh, please work with me? I, I need what you have. And so Jack had been working with him. And over the past two years, I said, Jack, why, won't you, why, do, why would this dude come to church? You know, He said, I don't know, man. I tried to get him to church. He won't come. Well, finally, I saw him one Sunday. As they said, right there back in the back. Right back there where, where um, uh, you sit in the sand, there, there. Jack and Jenny, and then uh, uh, Lee and Susan were sitting back there. That's where they sit all the time when they come. Like today, they, they wouldn't be here because they would be over to, over to Jefferson House because they would go over there every Thursday or Sunday. Um, but I said, oh, my goodness gracious, you've got to be kidding. He said, no. They were in a car accident uh, after midnight, and, and both were killed. And the boss was with them, uh, Lee's boss, but he was um, he was spared, uh, so he he didn't he didn't die. Uh, the boss was sitting in the passenger seat. Lee was driving, and Susan was in the back, and and they were they were killed. So I went over, and it was a, a tragedy, and and uh, and I took part in, in doing the funeral with her uncle um, Friday, and it was a sad situation. And we don't want to take things for granted about prayer and praying for people. We don't want to take messages for granted because no one knows whether they're going to be here next Sunday. And so we have to take messages and walk these messages out during the week 
because we want a faith that works, a worth of a faith that's worth something, not a worthless faith. And so, what we want to do is 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 like the the, the James says, "You show me your faith, I'll show you my faith by my works." In other words, they're not separate. <laughs> you know, they're not separate. When you see one, you see the other one. And so. Uh, we want to lift this family up. And when I did the the the, the, uh, the funeral, we always do an altar call and things like that. And we have people, when I say altar call, I ask for salvation and show hands and, and pray for them. And I had three people raise their hand. And I, I told them that, that the only thing we can do for Lee and Susan at this point is to help those children grow to be a mighty man and woman of God. Because that's what Lee wanted. He told Jack, he said, look, what I want to do is I want my, I need my, I need to be in church. I need my family to be in church. And he said, it's been hard for me to get them up. It's been hard for me to get up, but I'm going to do it, Jack. And he did it on his own. It wasn't, you know, Jack did it. It was God doing it. Um, and he started coming. And so we can pick it up because uh, their children are going to be here. And so uh, please don't ask their children when you see them. Where's the, where's the mama, where's the dad, or something like that, you know. They need to come get you because they, uh, they don't have a mother and they don't have a father, okay. Uh, they, they are living with their, their grandmother, who's Susan's mother. And after the, after the message that I gave, which it was very uh, uh, pointed, because I told them that, that we have a responsibility to carry this on. If we lay in bed and, and those children... Don't do nothing but uh, go the way of the world. It's our fault we did nothing with the, with the gift that uh, God had given us in the 36 years that Lee was living, the 34 years that uh, Susan was living. And so, therefore, we need to do the same thing as a church body. We need to help little Annabelle. We need to help little Connor be the man and woman of God because they, they don't have a Christian example in that house. They don't have one. Yeah. Now, we... Her mother, so the mother said, oh, I'm going to come and, and I'm going to bring, um, you know, the children. I, w- I probably won't come this Sunday, but I, I'm coming. And, and Jenna said that uh, she had asked her to help come over and help her get the children ready uh, because she's not, um, she has some limitations. So anyway, I'll let you know that we have a responsibility, and I want to let the body know because you won't see these two anymore, but you will see their children, and we, we're going to try our best to, Help bring them up in the nurture and ammunition of the Lord if we possibly can. Is that okay with you? Okay. Let's stand. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't know what our life is going to be like tomorrow. We know that we are just a vapor, Lord, that appears for a little while and then vanishes away, Lord. Whether it's 120 years, whether it's 90 years, whether it's 36 years, whether it's 33 years like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we don't know. But we do know one thing. We, got to, we must live our life to the fullest in obedience to you every single day. 
if there's anyone here that you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, now's the time to do that because tomorrow is not promised. Anybody here that you will say, please pray for me. I would like to give my life to Jesus Christ today. Would you raise your hand and put it back down? If there's anyone here that you say, you know, I gave my life to Jesus Christ before, but I really have not been living for Christ. I really haven't had the faith that you've been talking about. My faith has not been backed up by works. They didn't, they didn't go together. I just said words, but I had no fruit to speak of. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you raise your hands and I want to I want to pray for you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, we pray for this. Person, raise a hand, Lord. We pray, Father, this day will be a day of change for them. That they will no longer have words that they speak but don't have fruit that will bear out what they spoke, Lord. Let it be a day, Lord, that you empowered them to overcome whatever obstacles have been keeping them from that. Father, pray for the congregation also, Lord, that any chains that over our lives be broken, Lord, Father, I ask you to break down strongholds in our lives, Lord, in our minds, Lord. These reasons we have for the reason we do what we do when it's not your will, Lord, when it's clearly not your word. Father, break down those strongholds. Set us free, Lord, that we may be able to serve you. And not walk in this flesh, nor by the world's ways, Lord. We'll give you all the praise. We'll give you all the glory, Lord. Because it's only you, Lord. We can do nothing apart from you. It's you. And we acknowledge that today, Lord. And every day is you, Lord. We honor you. We honor your word, Lord. And Jesus is the word. We honor the Holy Spirit. We recognize that if anything going to be done, it's going to have to be done by the Spirit of Almighty God. Empower us to love one another, Lord, as you have loved us, Lord. Don't let us give lip service, be hypocrites, Lord, to say we love, but then we talk about people. Then we treat people different than we want to be treated ourselves by you, Lord. Father, help us to walk out the commandment to love so we can abide in your love, Lord. That's our desire, is to be pleasing in your sight. And we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory.